Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined via Zencaster by Rob Casty. Rob, how's it going today? It's going, man. Just recording in this closet like the big time podcast host I am. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> hope the audio turns out well. <laughs> uh, also joining us from Austin, Texas, Nick Kruger, back in action. He's Nick, the smartest three-year-old ever to come to this show. <laughs> Damn it! I, I was literally on that one too. <laughs> good thing. Good thing. I got an itchy off. It's really made Nick rusty on his. I got an itchy trigger finger with these drops, man. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get them all sorted out. <laughs> well, uh, take it. So, someone who who ran the soundboard last week, I can tell you, they're not laid out like I thought they would be. So I could see why uh, it's challenging. But uh, anyway, we want to remind you: check out rivals.com. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Uh, it really helps us move up the rankings, and we are in heavy rankings talk right now. The rankings released this week on Rivals.com, and uh, all, all types of things happening. But uh, we want to jump right in and talk about the all of a sudden imaginary debate. Uh, the Trevor Lawrence fatigue has officially set in. Uh, Trevor, of course, uh, looking poised to be a wire-to-wire number one. We're talking about a guy who has some of the best high school numbers you'll ever see on probably going to break Deshaun Watson's records in the state of Georgia. But all of a sudden people talking about fellow Georgia quarterback, Justin Fields as a potential contender to number one fields is now number eight in the rivals rankings after moving up to five-star status. Uh, one of the other services moved fields up to number two and said, the race is now on, uh, I'll, 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 you know, Cam Newton as a former friend of the show, he said fields is number one. I don't even get to close. Of course, he doesn't know who Lawrence is. Uh, and then a, a couple other media outlets talking about it too. So, Rob, we'll start with you. You've seen them both. I think we all saw them both this year in Atlanta. Oh, I, I don't know. Excuse me. Uh, Nick wasn't was at Atlanta, but he wasn't sh- Charlotte. So he's seen No, I was well. in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta. Yeah, but well, Fields wasn't in Atlanta. You were in Charlotte, oh. though. Um, okay. But we've all seen them various times. I mean, these are guys that, that participate in a lot of events. So, Rob, what's your take here? Are we are we making up news? Is this fake news, as uh, your president would say? Well, I don't. <laughs> not my president. I, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, do I think that it's a close race? No, not particularly. I guess my biggest issue is I don't think that the people writing this think that either. So, like, I mean, I think that it's you know people just wanting to create some kind of narrative that isn't as boring as Trevor Lawrence is clearly the best player in this class and will be until signing day. Uh, so they'll tease it. I don't think they'll ever actually do it, uh, do it being flip them at the top. I don't think they think that it's close. I think that they just needed a headline for their new rankings. So they, they went with it. See, I, I think that they do think it's close. I think I'm telling you, I think people, in that case, I don't have a problem with it. If it's genuine, good for them. But I just think people, I think this is what happens is, you know, we've seen it happen with the respective pro drafts guys who stay longer guys who we know longer last year at this time uh justin fields might have had a couple of offers but i mean i remember he came to the uh now defunct rivals quarterback challenge he had no offers so and trevor was already you know trevor lawrence at that time so cut to a year later now fields is committed to penn state and he's got all these schools jockeying for him uh, and, and Trevor's just, you know, his usual laid back self. And I, I just think that that Fields might be the the hot new guy in town. And, the, you know, obviously he put up some good testing numbers and he, he, he had a good season last year in the fall. But 
I really think I really think it's happening. I think people are talking themselves into it, and I don't. Who know? I mean, obviously, we won't know for years if we're right or wrong. But I mean, as far as I've seen, you know, Lawrence is one of the best quarterback prospects uh, to come around in a long time. You, you and have I called him the greatest football player of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, that's projecting forward. That's part of the business. But I feel that way. I mean, you know, Nick, we've seen. I guess you know you've seen rankings fatigue in the past, but what's your take on this whole race for number one that's now been uh, started? I suppose. Yeah, uh, I think that I think I think you kind of alluded to it earlier. I think the, a lot of it probably has to do with recency bias, and we know how it goes with uh, kids getting uh, kids getting offers, especially when it comes to a perceived. Uh, top quarterback in the class you know you mentioned uh, Trevor Lawrence coming coming in at the you know following both of their respective uh, timelines you know Trevor Lawrence was who he was for a little bit longer or a lot longer depending on uh, your perception of things but but you know to see you know we see how offers come in bunches and to say uh, you know Fields you know all of a sudden now he has all these offers he must have been so good from the start but maybe that's not necessarily what happened maybe it's you know it's you know he's the new hotness and uh you know Lawrence has been you know committed to Clemson for some time and you know the the his attention and you know his focus was on other things for for a longer period of time so that causes people to look more at it fields in recent in uh you know in recent months uh relative to to Lawrence so you know the fresh eyes are on him and I think I think it's just a matter of you know not seeing both quarterbacks together at the same time enough for them to have like an accurate uh portrayal in their head as to who's actually better than the other and you know as far as our rankings are concerned Trevor's number one and Fields is number eight and you know we've talked before you know when guys are at the top of the mountain like that that close together in ranking. I mean, you're almost kind of splitting hairs in some cases, and they're probably a little bit different. I mean, obviously, Trevor seems like the more prototypical kind of, you know, stand back and and chuck it. Even though I know you said that he he's got some legs, uh, but but Fields, on the other hand, just strikes you as a more athletic option, and you know, might be might bring something different to a Penn State offense that Trevor that Trevor Lawrence wouldn't, and vice versa with Clemson. So you know, we'll just see how it pans out. Obviously, both of them are pretty good quarterbacks, though, right? Yeah, so I pulled up some stats here, which, you know, we stats don't necessarily factor that much into what we're doing because, you know, you've got elite players at, at every at nick of the, every turn. But, okay, Lawrence plays at a pretty high classification in the state of Georgia. Um, <laughs> his career stats here, this is – he's started on varsity all three years uh, of, of his high school career. Um, he's thrown for 10,000 yards <laughs> so far, which I'd say is a pretty good NFL career, uh, you know, for, for a lot of guys, 10,000 yards, 120 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Okay. Uh, last year he had a 51 to nine was his, uh, touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, and he averaged 260 yards a game. And to, to the point about him, maybe him being able to run, he has, he he's had 250 yards rushing last year. That includes sacks and five touchdowns. Now Fields last year threw for 2,700 yards, 23 passing touchdowns, six interceptions. So um, not bad. And then he rushed though for uh, for 1,176 yards and 15 touchdowns. So and he's probably playing with less talent. If I had to say, I mean, it's not that Trevor's team is is necessarily loaded with D1 players, but I think there's a handful, and uh, I would say Fields probably only has has a couple other D1 guys on his team. He's only started one year as well, so I mean, 
But I mean, ten thousand yards, guys. I mean, that's, you, know, you figure he's going to throw for at least another three thousand next year. He, he's going to be he's going to be near four, fourteen thousand yards for his career, which would be really amazing. Uh, and like I said, only Deshaun Watson and uh, Jake Fromm, a pair of other five star quarterbacks, have put up those type of stats in the past. So, um, I look forward to this faux debate, especially now that I don't have the uh, say now, overall in the state of Georgia. I won't have to necessarily be involved in it so uh i do think it's interesting though and i like fields i'm surprised that he's a five star uh you know penn state fans shouldn't take that the wrong way but i went and saw him last year i thought he was solid a solid top 100 kid uh but obviously you know his camp showing this year has helped him move it up and he's a really good athlete a good baseball player so um i guess we'll watch that play out but i think lawrence makes it wire to wire at least if i have anything to say about it so uh that's that. Moving on. Now, wait. Do you do you like um do you like Rogers better than Fields in your personal opinion? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. We're talking about Justin Rogers, who's committing today, actually. Which I wish he would tell me where he's going. That's something I have to handle when I get off this podcast. But uh, I, I would I, I would probably take Fields at this point over Rogers, even though Rogers has put up you know ridiculous stats as well. Um. But but I think Rodgers is going to be a really good college quarterback. Let's just, you know, ho- hopefully he picks the right fit for him at the next level. Um, I think that's going to be key for him as well. So uh, we sent him one commitment graphic, and he told me that's the wrong school. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's not, a, that's not a good sign for us, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll get it figured out. So, yeah, I think, I think definitely I would probably take Fields. But, you know, I like Emory Jones as well, but a lot of people have soured on him. They've got fatigue on him, and now Fields has obviously passed him in, in the rankings as well. So um, t- speaking of rankings, Rob Cassidy uh, on the hot seat now. All types of, uh, you know, players with less than 10, career- 10 catches in a season ranked in the top 100. <laughs> uh, kids who've never played football ranked very high. People who are good at track ranked very high. So, Rob, you, you wanted to talk about this. So, so explain to us, you know, some of the thought process that goes into these rankings and why they're not necessarily who's the best yeah, today. Well, e- each ranking is kind of its own beast, right? So, when you look at like a ranking like Anthony Schwartz that we have high, but despite not having very great high school stats, it's you know because of potential, right? I mean, this guy set the world record for the youth 100 meter. Um, and you know, I, I won't say that I did this all on my own. You know, when you look at the giant, uh, offensive tackle at IMG Academy from Australia, who's never played football before I was, uh, you guys were privy to that meeting. I was against moving him as high as we moved him, but you know, the higher power at rivals.com, uh, kind of trumps you when that happens. But you know what I was thinking and what he was thinking too, to more of an extent, I guess, is we're not trying to rank the best junior in high school football players in the country, right? We're looking ahead. Uh, and that's kind of what I've been getting complaints on <laughs> via email and message boards today is, you know, how can you have this kid rank so high when he's got four career catches? Well, you know, in some cases you're on a good team and you're behind guys like Trevon Grimes or, you know, Mike Harley or guys that went to major FBS schools and just didn't get enough playing time last year. Or you show up from Australia and you're, you know, 6'9", 350 pounds and move great but have never played football before. Uh, you know, there's, there's every ranking is kind of its own thing, right? So you explore them and you try to project what these kids are going to be like in college and beyond. Uh, it's not about who is the best player on Friday night uh, their junior year of high school. Yeah. Well, and we see that we see that in the draft, too. 
Uh, I, was, I was sorry. I was just going to say we, we see it in the draft. Like uh, J- John Ross is a perfect example, right? I mean, not not a guy that had a lot of uh, fanfare comes out and runs, you know, the fastest 40 time at the combine. And boom, before you know it, he's what did he go in the first round to the Bengals or he was, you know, yeah, he was up. Round. The top? And that was Farrell's point when we were talking about Schwartz, I think, who's the, the, the lightning fast track kid out of Florida is I think he brought up John Ross and was like, look, if this kid can run like that and he goes to the combine and does it, it's not going to matter what he does. And he's got a point to an extent, I think. But if you can't get on the field. Uh, because you're not a wide receiver and you are just a track star. And I'm not saying that's what Schwartz is. I'm just saying that's the other side of this argument. Then it doesn't really matter what you do with the combine. You're not going to be a first-round pick. The really tough thing, I think, for what we do relative to, uh, you know, when you start talking about guys going into the draft and stuff is, you know, uh, so so much of, so much of uh, uh, you know, wide opinions of players comes from seeing a kid physically and just, you know, just – I mean, you don't have to be an expert to know when a kid is, you know, 6'4", 230 pounds, he's going to be an elite prospect at the high school level uh, relative to some of the other guys he's going to be playing with in most cases. So, you know, finding those guys and deciding, finding those guys is one thing, deciding if those guys can make the most of, you know, their God-given genetics and abilities and things like that is a whole nother is a whole nother thing and probably a lot more difficult to do, I think, at the, you know, at this level than it is when guys are coming out of college and you've seen them, you know, four years at a high uh, division one level program. So let's put Womack on the spot here since he always has strong opinions about everything. What do you, what's your take on Schwartz and our giant Australian? Do you think overrated? Do you think it was smart what we did? What do you think? Nah, I, you know me, I want to see the kids play. I mean, I understand the whole size thing, but I mean, I'm always beating the drum about these players who come from foreign countries and who have never played. And then what happens? I mean, name, name me one. Well, you've, got your, you've got your MAGA hat on right now. You really well, emphasized foreign countries. Name me one that's panned out. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, name, name, one, name one. I'll, I'll wait. You know what I mean? I mean sure. No, no, I understand what you're saying. You were on the call with me. I was, I was not exactly shot. In the, in the rear end about well, moving these kids up as high as we did. But. So, so let's go back a couple of years ago uh, into the Wayback Machine. Um, Chidi Valentine OKK, a famous, uh, a, a really de- divisive guy in the rankings. So w- when, he, when he came out, uh, he initially was a member of the class of, let me, let me, I'm, I'm trying to remember how it all played out. He was originally a member of the class of 2016. Okay. He came to the underclassman challenge. He was really impressive. And so we ranked him really high. I think we put him in the forties or something like that. Well, then he reclassified. Okay. He reclassified, <laughs> he reclassified to 2015. So he essentially sped up a year. Now this was, keep in mind, he's coming from out of the country and then he, all of a sudden he's a year ahead academically. I don't know how that worked out. So then he, he comes, he, he, tra- he was down there at uh, famous uh, strip mall high school that Rob's very close to. He never plays for them. Champagnat Catholic. He then comes up here and is, is allegedly going to some school that, I mean, I went to. And I mean, I, I remember it was a big Twitter night for me because I was posting pictures of like, the press box had like fallen over and like, I mean, they had some weird fake game out there and, uh, you know, coincidence. Oh, what do you mean by a fake game? I'm intrigued by this. They played like they were, they were allegedly a high school, but they, they played a prep school in a game 
where there was not really any, it wasn't even really a game. It was so weird. I, Nick remembers I went and shot video because no I one was ever you meant it was like a computer simulation out of the field or something. So, so anyway, that was enough for him to get picked for the Army All-American game, which was, which was crazy. Uh, he goes down there and he wasn't very good because he didn't know what he, he, he didn't know what he was doing. Okay. So he ends up finished on 24 seven. Uh, one of our competitors ranked as the number 22 player in the country in a five star. Now we, we moved him down after that to a 5.73 star and the number 38 offensive tackle in the country. So we took a lot of heat at that time. He went to LSU the LSU coaches, which, you know, obviously don't care about rankings, were, you know, complaining nonstop about this kid's a can't miss, blah, blah, blah. Well, he goes down to LSU, cut to three years later, here we are, and he's at Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> so, I mean, and he's been the most high profile. He was a five-star. He's probably been, the, you know, one that kid who came out of Florida State, uh, Bjorn something from Germany, he ended up being a first-round draft pick and was a huge bust in the NFL. I think he's out of the league as well. well do you remember him, Nick? Bjorn? Uh, yeah, he played for the Indianapolis Colts. Actually, Werner? my favorite, his name? Bjorn Werner in Jacksonville. Uh, you're right. Yeah, Jacksonville actually signed him to give him a shot, and I don't think he made it last season. I don't think he made it out of uh, training camp with them. So Yeah, he was the number 24 no, pick. I understand draft. what you're saying here. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not completely crapping on you here. I I think that it's possible to move some of these guys up. I think that we probably went a little too hard on our, our Australian friend at IMG, but I think there's a middle ground probably that we should probably find. And we have found in some cases, I think. Um, you know, nobody's ever going to agree on everything. And I stress that when I'm talking to people that aren't in those rankings calls is they think that Rivals.com is this one entity with this one brain and that, you know, everybody is always on the same page about everybody. Uh, that's why your rankings conspiracies don't work. It's because most of us disagree with each other. We could never get on the same page enough to screw over one team, you know? <laughs> yeah, and 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 Nick, <laughs> you you make a good point there. I mean, the amount of times, uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been very angry coming out of a rankings call, or you know, can be counted a you know a lot because we don't agree on everything. And I just think I think it's easier with these wide receivers who you mentioned, like Moore, who we've seen in a camp setting and be explosive. Uh, I think the linemen are the tough ones to project. The linemen are tough to project regardless, you know, even if, when we know them and they play real football. Guys who have never played before, I mean, it's great if they're huge and can move, but the whole point is, you know, as a lot of former football players say, do they have that dog in them? You know, <laughs> we hear that all the time from guys who played. I'm trying to figure out what that means. Yeah, right. we don't know what it means, but it's just it's just one of these things that that you know, there's there's no way to tell, and it's even harder with 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 uh, offensive linemen than it is with with the wide receivers. So we'll watch those guys, and obviously they'll move up and down the rankings. We've seen it happen several times. So. Uh, this is an interesting topic. I had this on the, the rundown anyway before Rob had uh, had uh, shamelessly written an article about it <laughs> today. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, the Texas A&M athletic director, comes out at whatever these meetings. It seems like there's meetings every week. There were they, Everyone was just in Arizona. Now they're in Destin. Uh, the SEC meetings and coaches are all up in arms. SEC meetings, yeah. Right, but it's like they're the spring meetings, but we got to go to media day in six weeks. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't really get the, the difference there. Um, 
Yeah, but, there are no players at this one, and there's more athletic. Yeah, I guess there's just yes. Right. So every so every coach was complaining about. Uh, so every coach was complaining about the recruiting rules. Number one, but the most uh, notable thing that came out of it was the Texas A&M AD ke- uh, comp- saying that Kevin Sumlin essentially is on the hot seat. I think he he said, "What do you say, Rob?" That he knows he has to win and win this year. Is that he what says he, he needs to win and he needs to win this year? Yeah, he needs to win. He needs to win this year, and that last year was very disappointing. So that's as close as an A comes, comes to like wheeling out a guillotine on stage and putting a coach's head in it, right? Like usually you're reading between the lines here when they're like, oh, you know, we'll take one thing at a time. He's got my confidence. He's the coach of Texas A&M right now. You almost never hear an AD do what he did and be like, yeah, you know, uh, it sucks to be him if he loses. Well, I think I think uh, I, I watched the I watched the clip in, in question that everybody's talking about shortly before we started recording here, and then after that, you know, he he did this talking to Paul Feinbaum on ESPN, and then after uh, Paul kind of followed that up with sort of a question like, "Is this a legit line in the sand?" kind of deal, you know, he sort of backtracked a little bit. I thought, you know, he was like, "Well." You know, we got to look at we got to look at how we play in games too, how we win. You know, I mean, if he if let's say let's say Texas A and M wins ten games this season for the sake of conversation, probably not uh, going to be good enough to you know leave them on the outside looking in again this year. But let's say they do pretty well in conference, they win you know by multiple touchdowns in a couple of their conference games, have a chance to compete for the SEC. Does someone get fired or does he get another year after that too? I I don't think I don't. I don't know if they're this not is not going to compete for the SEC unless they win ten games. I mean, you're not going to win nine or eight and be in competition, right? Well, I mean, they open up again with UCLA. I mean, do we think UCLA is is all of a sudden back to being some kind of powerhouse team because Rosen's back after missing all of last year? They miss all of it. He played in the game last year, right? And they still well, lost. They they won. Well, yeah, but I mean, they blew a big lead, right? Let Let's play the game where you go. You game. know, their next two games would be. You go game by game, and Rob and I will say okay. win or loss. All right, fine. At UCLA. Loss. I think they'll win that game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> They're already one and one. <laughs> no, no. So, well, well, um, all right, Nickel. Uh, all right, Nick, Nickel State. I think they right, got that two. one taken care of. Although, Nickel State has a cool logo, man. Okay. Louisiana Lafayette at home. Yeah. They got that one. Arkansas. Oh, oh, oh yeah. What do you say? Uh, Arkansas in. Cowboys Stadium. I think they could lose that, and I think they will. Well, that's a tough one. I'm going to take them to win. So we both got them three and one right now at that at that point. All right, at home against South Carolina. I think they win. Yeah, so that's four and one. I'd say win too. So that so they're four and one heading into their set heading into their October 7th game at home. Wait, this against sounds Alabama. Familiar, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, they get beat. They get trounced there. That's sorry. <laughs> yeah, they lose that one. But that's at home for them. Let's say they're four and one. Let's say they have some momentum. I mean, that's if they give out. Alabama a close game, I'm just saying the AD said we're going to look uh, at how, no, no eight, they, how no the, games AD the world has ever been like, all right, we won eight games, but the offensive lineman had some really good get off and the wide receivers had quick hips. So let's, let's go ahead. No, I, that's not even off. what I was saying. I'm just saying like if they lose to Alabama by a touch, Touchdown or less, you know, maybe they, maybe that's a, maybe they get a little bit of a pass. Okay. The next week is in Gainesville against Florida. They're losing that game. Really? 
Who's the quarterback at Florida? Who's the quarterback at Texas A&M? <laughs> I mean, that's what he has Nick the same Stark. Nick's... Yeah, I, I think Mystery Man inspires as much, you know, as, as much confidence in me as Nick Starkle. I like Nick Starkle. Okay, like well, or, or we're talking about... All right, let's see. What do you like, Starkle? I don't have Obviously. a problem with Starkle. I don't think he's bad. I'm just saying let's not, I mean, let's not act like they've gotten some proven... Uh, you know, all SEC quarterback back there. Now, how quickly you've forgotten about five-star Kellen Mond coming up through the ranks here. See, and that's fine. But again, it's not like he has a, it's not like he's a proven SEC quarterback either. He's, you know. All right. All right. Talk to Mike Farrell about that. Okay. Okay. So the week after that, Mississippi State at home. They win that game. Woody? Mm, they, uh, yeah, they win. Sorry. I was... Yeah, they win. All right. Okay. Uh, what are you apologizing for? That's good well, for them. Auburn at home the next week. I think they lose to Auburn. No, I think they win that one too. I feel, I feel like they've played – I feel like they've got 90% home games on this schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, what the AD didn't take into consideration is that every game is at home. Um, so you, both of you guys said that's a win for a and No, I think Auburn will win that game. Oh, Auburn. Okay. Um. Next next week, uh, we have New Mexico at home. They win that game. Yeah, boy, I hate that SEC cupcake game in the middle of this, in late in the season. It's terrible. They win, obviously. Hey, you need a break when you're playing the best of the best every week. So so here's so here's the interesting thing, right? So both both of their game or both their final two games of the season are both on the road against Ole Miss and LSU. And I got to think that I would think that they would probably be better served to have those games at the front of their schedule, considering. Well, let's just you know, assume they split them. What is that right. with them at? Uh, I wasn't really keeping track, but you guys, but you guys had, <laughs> you guys had them. That okay? You guys said four and one to start. Lost at Alabama. Lost to Florida. Uh, so you have them winning. Well, I, I guess you beat. have them losing four beat. games. So we know. Uh, so we have them anywhere between nine and ten wins is, is the way to look at this, right? Ten, and yeah. think about this. Okay. So the AD's already been out there saying, saying, you know, this guy's got to win, whatever. So isn't it almost worse at this point if he wins nine games and they keep him around for another year? But he's still in the hot seat because if he steps backwards, he's going to get fired. So you're basically creating an extra year of uncertainty at this point. And we all know that uncertainty is worse for recruiting than having, a, you know, than having a coaching change. Well, so unless right, well, he wins like 11 games at this point, there's there, other coaches are always going to be able to play that clip and be like, look, this is what this AD said. In any moment, uh, unless this thing gets significantly turned around, he starts winning double-digit games, he could be gone. So okay. he's going to have to do something so impressive that everybody forgets that the AD said that and that those words don't mean anything anymore, right? Well, let's let's also play uh, another favorite game of Woody is uh, who you know who would be the coach to replace him. I mean, who who would be who would be a significant yeah, Chip, upgrade from Chip Kevin Sumlin at this point? You know, I don't... Chip. Everyone's now we can really do Chip Kelly mm. speculation because he's going to be on TV every week. Everyone's because he's be on the desk at ESPN, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not. This isn't. I mean, they were speculating when he was in the NFL, saying, "I'm not going to take the job." Now he's un, essentially unemployed from the coaching world. Uh, I mean, it, wouldn't it wouldn't it be great to have him in the SEC going against you know Nick Saban and and Texas A&M already has the athletes uh, that would fit his system? Do you agree with me on the on the front that it's almost worse if he wins nine games and they keep him? Now that the AD said this, 
I mean, worse for who? It's not worse, worse for, for recruiting. <laughs> no, no, worse, worse for recruiting, right? I mean, how are you going to – and like I said, kids don't always pay attention to all this, but if you don't think other SEC coaches are going to be playing that clip for them this offseason when they're down to their school at A&M, you're crazy. Uh, and if that uncertainty lingers and he doesn't win 10 or 11 games and completely kill it, then that's another year where coaches can still be like, well, you know, you can go there, but he's going to get fired if he missteps. No, you're right. I think, but I think when we're talking about A and M uh, specifically, I mean, here's here's the deal right now. They haven't straight up. They haven't uh, offered as many kids as as other programs, uh, in you know, in the state or in the SEC for that matter. Um, and Kevin Sutherland or Kevin Sutherland <clears throat> is uh, directly uh, active. You know, he's 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 directly active recruiting kids himself. I mean, you know, most of the high profile kids that I talk to that uh, talk to me about A&M always bring up the fact how, how often, you know, someone's FaceTiming with them, you know, and he takes, he takes a pretty active role in the forefront of recruiting. So I think, you know, I, I think to your point, there's, you know, there's definitely going to be some validity to other coaches saying, Hey, listen, he's, you know, he's on a short leash. Uh, if things don't all break his way this season, but at the same time, you know, Kevin Sumlin, I feel like is is doing what he can to make a personal connection with recruits more so than most other uh, head coaches. I think that he's competing against. So, you know, there is going to be a there, there's going to be a, a internal struggle, I guess, with some of these kids considering Texas A and M as to you know kind of what their value set is in terms of you know how much they how much how much weight they put on you know Kevin Sumlin dealing with them directly versus you know what they think that his future might be there at the program plus you know just what they think about texas a&m in general i mean the other thing that kids always bring up is the atmosphere the game day atmosphere there and how much they want to be a part of it which is something that isn't necessarily dependent on who's the actual head coach there that place is great there's no it's almost nebraska-esque in the way that 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 (laughs) fan base kind of recruits because it's insane i've been there many times It's, it's it's a great place I, I don't know. I, it didn't seem like that long ago that I was living in Arizona and Texas A&M was getting everybody. Uh, they were killing Texas in the state. I guess they still are beating Texas in the state in some ways. But, I mean, they were pulling kids out of California, out of Arizona, everywhere. When Kevin Sumlin first took that job, it was he was a nightmare to beat on the recruiting trail. And it has since taken a severe turn. And people got to understand, too, as far as in-state recruiting goes, I mean... We we've obviously we've been talking about it. It's almost a dead horse at this point, but you can't ignore the fact that Matt Rule at Baylor and and Tom Herman at at Texas have like a shine about them right now because they're the new you know they they've got the new digs you know they're the new guys on the scene. So right, there's going to be Matt Rule's digs are like falling apart at the seam. The roof is caving well, in. The walls have holes in it. There are roaches. It's it's <laughs> the digs are not great there. Uh yeah, I mean from from an outsider's perspective, sure, but I don't you know. I, I don't think that that's I still do, I still think that there's momentum with recruits as far as uh, there's a, there's a lot of kids for whatever reason that have you know that have ties or uh, some kind of connection to to Waco or to Baylor and they really want to see things pan out in a positive direction. I, I, and, I concur. It's just yeah. So we'll see. All right. Boy, what a lively debate as I'm uh, also doing a having a debate via Slack right now <laughs> with one of our editors. Um, Nick, it was a big week for Texas. They got a, a commitment from a four-star running back Keontae Ingram and uh, sort of came out of the blue, didn't it? I mean, uh, was this was this expected for a while or did he just uh, fall in love with the old horns? Based on the based on the quotes that he gave Jason Sukamel over at Orange Bloods, uh, he made it sound like it sh- it was a spur of the moment uh, decision for him. But 
Of course, he had a, you know, nicely pre-produced video ready to go that spliced his highlights in with, you know, like vignettes of uh, Texas Longhorn football games, which kind of leads me to believe that, you know, that was something that was kind of premeditated, obviously. Nice use um, of vignettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's as out of the blue as I, maybe the timing of it. Maybe, maybe the fact that he committed on Tuesday afternoon of all days, it was the most unexpected thing. I don't think that Texas being the leader in his recruitment or his eventual, uh, landing spot was a surprise to most people. And he's a guy that a lot of people are telling me, you know, they, they think that he's the top running back in the state and he very well could be, um, you know, he's, he's a nice, well-rounded running back, got good size, uh, you know, was able to juke guys, you know, an asset in the passing game, you know, all, all those things that you like, not, maybe not the, maybe not purely the fastest guy that, that you'll see playing running back in the state, but, um, you know, but just a, just a tough, powerful runner, um, you know, and I think somebody that fits in well with Texas and, you know, and gives them another, uh, another running back to add to the stable. Obviously we saw him pick up uh, to Neil Carter at the end of last year too. So, um, you know, just just more more of the same with Texas over the past couple of weeks, picking up high profile guys. We we had him. I had him as a three star uh, heading into this rankings release. Uh, you know, it's going to be one of those coincidences where people think that he got the four star bump just because he committed to Texas. Everybody needs to realize that, again, we did the rankings meetings last week before he made his announcement. Uh, and was, I wasn't privy to this information that he was committing. So uh, but that, the same could be said for uh, Ron Tatum is also another guy that we've made a four star. Uh, and that gives Texas now six four star recruits in this class. They only had eight in all of 2017. So, you know, the momentum continues to roll for the Longhorns and, you know, a very good pickup uh, with Keontae Ingram. All right, moving on. Uh, very frustrated and exasperated Woody Womack. Uh, <laughs> it's time for the tweet of the week. What is going on on the Slack? All right, who's who's Woody? Oh, that's my brother. All right, who's who's Woody? Oh, that's my brother. <laughs> that's pretty good. You could ask that to a lot of people in Atlanta who would say that. <laughs> so anyway, this week's tweet of the week <laughs> comes from uh, a couple of different people. The rankings came out on Monday. And uh, a St. Louis area media outlet, Gateway Sports Venue, which is at GSV underscore STL, congratulated some of the players that earned uh, rankings moves up in the in the St. Louis area. So they think that these are where these guys came in. And one of the people they mentioned was uh, Trevor Trout. But in some sort of an error, they tweeted they tweeted at Mike trout as his uh twitter handle of course mike trout the famous uh, baseball player that i couldn't pick out of a lineup anyway he had trevor trout which is who they meant to mention then retweeted his tweet and said congrats man and tagged mike trout in it and i was hoping so much that mike trout would answer uh he did not but it still made me laugh got 12 retweets and 89 likes a lot of laughing emojis so uh trevor trout at total trout move uh is the tweet of the week um, all right, let's move on to rants and recommendations. I don't have a I don't have a rant recommendation right now at this time. All right, well I'll finish it out. In addition to complaining about the lag in my audio this week, my number one complaint continues to be people at the gym talking on their phones, FaceTiming, and or playing music out of their cell phones. Uh, the other day I was at the gym and these two ladies in front of me are listening to Drake out of the speakerphone, full explicit lyrics. I mean, there's kids walking around, you know, it's an LA fitness. It's not, this isn't like, you know, uh, uh, 
we're working out in the garage here or whatever. And then, then the other day, some girls on the stair step are FaceTiming on speakerphone, which was a new, that's a, even a new high for the city of Atlanta, which where a lot of people like to talk on their speakerphones. I couldn't believe it. I've complained about it before. I know I'm sure I'm annoying at the gym because I'm fat and sweaty, but we got to cut it down. Please don't talk on the phone at all, number one, A. And two, don't talk on speakerphone ever if you're in public. It's annoying. You're annoying. This podcast is annoying. That's it. So that wraps it up. That ends the show. And uh, here, here we go. Uh, end it. Hopefully we'll have a better week next week. <laughs> end it. <laughs> Mercy, we tap out. Wait, we gotta let the outro music play a little bit more.